Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This episode is brought to you by Green Skies Analytics, an audit analytics service provider that works with internal audit departments that have data analysts and are still frustrated with trying to make analytics actually work, aren't getting the expected ROI, who can't break through the communication barrier between the analysts and the audit team, and those that need experienced direction for an audit analytics strategy and process. Those that feel like they've wasted time and money on trainings, aren't getting the value they want, not prioritizing the highest risk areas for the organizations, or have projects that seemingly never get completed. Do you deal with any of that? If you do, go to the show notes of this episode and click the Green Skies Analytics link or go to greenskiesanalytics.com to schedule a call and understand how Green Skies Analytics makes analytics actually work for internal audit. Hey everybody, quick announcement before we jump into the show. Go ahead and block your calendars for October 11th and 12th. This is for the audit analytics conference that we host. So it's two days, 16 different topics over 16 CPE. So it's, we do a session for an hour, get a little break, session for an hour, little break, session for an hour, little break. So 16 different sessions all in total. This is a virtual conference. So no matter where you are in the world, you can attend. And the folks that do the sessions, the overwhelming majority are practitioners. So our audit analytics friends. Um, and the goal for each one is, that's great. Tell us why it's important we should do something. But overall, we want to know how to do it. That's the overall intent of the conference is to actually show people, show auditors how to do the analytics, bots, other technical areas. How do you actually do it? Today on the show, we have JT Irwin. He is the data analytics and automation lead for the internal audit department at First Horizon Bank. He's also a district rep for the IIA and a member of the IIA's chapter relations committee. He is also speaking at the third annual audit analytics conference that we host here and his topic is on benford's law in modern internal auditing so this isn't a like hey here's five minutes on benford's this is an hour deep dive into benford's law how to actually do it use cases etc if you had figured it out already jt and i are talking data analytics and internal audit so we're talking about how jt has used chat gpt RPA and automation use cases. Uh, acquisition is usually a big reason why we see analytics not work as expected within the internal audit process. And so we talk about how JT has dealt with that and why he doesn't really have uh, an issue with that. We also talk about the biggest impact that JT has found in using analytics within internal audit might be a little different from what you've typically heard. So definitely make sure you listen to that. Here we go. Seemingly, one of the top traits of auditors, and I know particularly one hiring manager who has a series of questions to tease out if the person they're being interviewed or the person they're interviewing uh, has this trait of curiosity. That's how important it is to this person and being an auditor. It's also super important within data and the analytics world. How has being curious helped you get into data and analytics? Oh, I would say it's crucial but i don't think i'd be a in data analytics if i wasn't curious um i i'm not a data analyst by trade i don't didn't go to school for anything like that uh just accounting so 
when I started working on work papers and accounting and everything like that, I didn't call it data analytics back then, but I was always like curious of like, what's a better way of doing this? Not to say I'm lazy, but is there an easier way of doing it? Is there a more efficient way of doing it? Um, so I've always kind of been curious and act for them. Like, well, where did that come from? Uh, can I get access to that? Can I pull exactly what I want? Um, things like that, just being curious about it, uh, on the technology front, I've always been interested and very curious about technology. If there's a program, a new program that someone hands me to use, I'm going to use it. And then I'm also going to like press every button on the screen, how to see, you know, yeah. kind of really figure out what it does. And, um, cause usually you get something for one specific purpose and that's all people use it for, but there's probably like efficiencies like built in that just got to press the buttons to find out what they do. So, um, just doing all that and kind of being curious and like, I, I want to try to do this test. I think it will provide value to this audit and, and ask better questions and give better insights. And, and through that, my director was like, Hey, we want to do data analytics. Now we think you have that skill set now. So why don't you take a crack at it? So yeah, be curious is, is what led me here. Yeah. Um, I like the, where you talked about the, with like different software and tools. Similarly, I do the same. If there's like a new thing, I'd start click, I immediately just start right clicking on stuff. Like, because usually there's some good magic in a right click. Uh -huh. Um, and so I'll start right clicking on everything or like go through all the menu items, even you know, I don't know what half of them mean, especially depending on what the tool is, analytics or otherwise. Um, but yeah, there's always something in there that is, this saved me three hours because now <laughs> I know that it exists. And I think that's a big part also with, like when you are writing a script or something, for example, and you find five different ways to do it wrong. <laughs> so well, can... now you have five other ways. You know, you see a wrong way and go, oh, well, now I know that I can use this function and I could have done that on whatever, two or three projects ago and save me a ton of time. So that's where my uh, curiosity brain ends up taking me down these kind of uh, rabbit holes of sorts. Yeah, exactly. And then it just generally, like, I like to be aware of what's going on in the greater internal audit and audit and data industries and being, just being curious about all that. And if I hear something, I'm like, oh, that's something interesting. I want to learn more about it. I'll go look about, look into that. And I'm like, not necessarily to apply right here, right now, I need to use this, but, you know, just to know about some technique or whatever, and they kind of like file it away to usually. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for sure. I mean, that's how I got, like, I started doing data pulls and stuff. I'm like, well, where's this coming from? Is SQL database? I don't know what a SQL database is. Let me go Google some YouTube videos on SQL. And then I heard people were writing scripts. I'm like, where's the script? Where do I get the Python and all that kind of stuff? So I'll look that up, you know. Just being curious about things, not to because you have a use for it right now, but that could be uh, a use case for the future. I know there's a lot of folks that maybe they do have that level of curiosity, but then they just aren't able to get the buy-in that they need from their manager, CAE, whoever it is. So how are you able to do that to say, hey, I was an auditor, now I'm more of a data person. Let me go be the data person full-time. Yeah, absolutely. So I think Everyone can appreciate that historically in internal law departments, there was no data person. There was no position for, this is our data analytics group. This is our manager of data, anything like that. That Of course, now things are rapidly changing and evolving, but historically that hasn't been there. So there's definitely some friction um, in trying to move into there and not only move in to do that, but to really move up and advance in your career uh, into leadership. So 
kind of how I've made sure that not only am I now the data guy, the data person, or helping with the data team, um, I want to prove value that this is bringing not only in audit test work and being more efficient and giving more audit insights, but being a true leadership asset to the department. And so um, what I do strategically is one, everything I do, I, I sell it, it has to have value. It has to have the highest value of anything I can be doing right now. Um, I know that value. Two is I need to be able to tell other people what that value is. So uh, we have a really good tracking and onboarding process for every analytic or the strategic plan that we have that we we do and then we quantify it how many transactions did we touch what's the dollar value of those transactions what are the insights how many trends do we have something repeatable made maybe it's a uh, um, continuous monitoring made maybe a bot was made you know there's extra things is it something that's been leveraged outside of the department um yeah. so that we can get that cross-functional buy-in a, a whole range of things it really sell and quantify exactly what we do um and that also helps me plan, like, if, if I have to choose between two projects, I'm going to do the one that does the most value to the stakeholders that matter most to me that are going to be at the tables that I'm not at yeah. to advocate for me. Yeah. So it's a triage process that you have. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I really like using those also because it, it does, you can get very caught up in, let me go do this little piece of this project. It'll only take me 20 minutes. And then two hours later, you're banging your head on the screen going, why does right. this things still not work. So to yeah. be able to ruthlessly prioritize and go, nope, this is, this is it. This is the thing yeah. that I'm working on is uh, a really good, a really good practice for sure. So if for those that are, let's say in leadership position positions and they're like, Hey, we need to find the auditor in our team, uh, to take on more of an analytics role, would you say from what we talked about earlier, that's going to be the person with maybe the most curiosity. Is that how you would identify it? How would you do it? Yeah, I mean, I mean being curious is just an innate um, characteristic of any internal auditor, I would hope. I would just think it's being curious about more the data side and being more curious about uh, the tools and how to apply different data sources to reach your audit objectives. Um, so yeah, absolutely being very curious um, and have that spark of wanting to know more on the, on the tech side. So you're talking about being able to basically sell the value and this is why you need to spend your time on any given project. Do you have like a use case or a story that you could tell us where that w was successful? Yeah, sure. I think selling the story comes into play with uh, the results of analytics and how that will actually apply to an actual audit report. Because at the end of the day, selling our work um, really has to flow to the audit report, our deliverable that goes to outside of our department. So being able to not only um, look at a population 100% that was uh, traditionally a sample type test, control test, being able to take 100% of a segment of loans, for example, I, I work in the banking industry, so a segment of loans and tie it to source documentation rather than report outputs um, really can, you know, highlight uh, not only efficiencies in um, the the business process, but also identify where we have uh, material mistakes. So that's two things that come out of this test uh, and shows up on the audit report is one, we have findings. Mm -hmm. Something is not working systematically as we thought we should. But two, we, we can definitely see that 
where there's friction, where there's areas that the business process can make their jobs easier for themselves. And we can see that through data and where things are really getting bottlenecked or things are just not working as well as it could have. Case in point for this one auto we were just working on, there was an, a manual report that was really like the linchpin of this entire business process was a manual Excel worksheet with function formulas that they were putting in and dragging down and half the time may or may not have worked. So case in point, we were able to uh, not only suggest that that be taken over by a robotics process automation, um, but we're able to set up the meeting and, and really identify that there's types of opportunities that make their jobs easier for them. So our auto report gets more buy-in from the business user because of the things we're able to do. I've seen recommendations like that, and we've made them too, where it's, hey, this process basically, it's old, it's manual, it sucks. This bot will do it automatically for you. And so we've made those recommendations before, and it's kind of like, yeah, we're just going to keep doing it the same old way. How were you able to sell that? Was it is it just a dollars and cents time, or were they like, that sounds awesome, let's just do it. We, we just like, we're convinced. It's not only saying, hey, this process can be done by a bot. You should go research and do that. It's This can really be done by this bot. Here's our bot team. They have their own developers. We'll all sit down in a meeting together and discuss it and show you the, the value and, and really be you know a trusted advisor to the business yeah. uh, to be able to, to point them not only in the right direction, but almost hold their hand the whole way through. Got it. Yeah. Refer them to other areas of expertise within the organization that can help Absolutely. them if, yeah. they have, if you have them. Um, so that's obviously a huge impact in and of itself. Where do you see the biggest impact with analytics, though? You know, recently for us, I would say um, kind of dashboarding has really been a big area of impact that we've had. Um, I, I will say this is that dashboarding is kind of contentious. Some people might think it's just flashy to be flashy. And um, so you really have to keep in mind that you need to have valuable insights from your dashboards. Uh, and so that's what our focus is. And getting buy-in from the traditional auto managers um, and directors on why we should spend our time to do that is a little bit challenging, especially when you look at it from an audit by audit or project by project basis. Um, you don't want to go and look at a dashboard once every three years. That's yeah. not really useful. So we've uh, really kind of identified um, how to use a dashboard by pinpointing what our own internal audit leadership where their pain points are and yeah. how we can use dashboarding to provide the information they need to do their jobs better. So we've done a lot of audit admin um, okay. kind of work through our dashboards and being able to um, really administer our audits in a more efficient manner by being able to track certain metrics um, that weren't readily available to, to look at before. Um, and so not only has that kind of opened our manager's eyes of saying, this is really good information I see how it makes my job easier. Is there a way we can take that and apply it to our business processes and our audit process to show efficiencies and why things matter to our audit clients? So um, basically, on an audit by audit basis now, we're not looking to continuously monitor uh, a KPI and give to them and then look at it once every three years. We're highlighting trends and exceptions and giving a visual context and the visual perspective of why those audit findings and those trends really matter. Um, so we give historical context and really that that visual, that picture really does kind of paint the picture a little bit better than just uh, a few numbers in the table. Yeah. And if you want buy-in from the audit committee um, and other stakeholders, we learned this, uh, you build them a value add 
slash slick looking dashboard that they can use and they're gonna go okay what else do you guys need that's <laughs> a lot so, easier when you like when you help those people out yeah uh, they're definitely more willing to help you out so we saw a lot of success or we see a lot of success with that from experience and other folks that I talk to data acquisition can be a pain for political reasons, infosec reasons, et cetera. How have you been able to lessen that pain for yourself and the rest of the team? Yeah, so we we have it pretty easy, I'd, I'd say. Um, first, I, I really want to put that on our data governance team. They have a really good process in place for, for uh, uh, requesting and provisioning that access. Um, but you can have the best system in the world without relationships. It's going to be stopped right when you make a request. So it's really the relationships we built with that data governance team, with our business process owners, with application owners, um, and other data users across our organization. So it's those relationships that we built that really kind of uh, lubricate the whole process and make it flow so much easier. So when we do make that request, the business owner knows why we wanted it, and they're going to approve it. The data governance team already knows this and what we're trying to accomplish. They're going to give it to us. They already know they need to give us read-only access to source data. Um, not only when we request that, do they provision us access that they'll already, we can reach out and say, hey, do we have a data dictionary? Do we have all the other documentation that we need to, to do our job the best that we can? And what's even better is we have data users across our organization that are probably using all these same sources of data that we're, we're requesting access to. We can leverage the work they've already done. Yeah. Uh, we share scripts, we share queries, we share in information on, yeah, this doesn't really work the way you think it does. So this is really what you got to look at. Um, so it's really just all about the relationships. 100% agree. Um, we saw a case where, and we might have talked about this in the show before, someone burned a bridge pretty quick. So it was a, and this isn't to scare non-data people, um, get in there, and learn it for sure but there was a lead auditor who was talking to a, a database administrator and they were doing some vendor audit or something and said can you give me every field that uh this vendor table would ever touch and it was like there's like a hundred tables that that would she was like yeah okay that's fine it's like what are you what are you going to do with it and they're like well i don't know i just want all the data and i went you stop you go away you don't talk to them anymore you're not allowed to talk to that person anymore <laughs> Uh, so we had to kind of go in and, and fix that one a little bit, but, uh, I think you mentioned putting maybe the objectives in there and that's a, that's such a time saver if nothing else. So even if it's just, Hey, here's the data request, we need these fields. We make it a point to always put the objective, like, Hey, this is what we're trying to accomplish because they are going to know the data better than we are. And so. Well yeah, you think you might need this field, but if you let them in on this is what we're trying to accomplish, they'll go, that's really not the one that you need. You need this one and save so much back and forth. Uh, and I found that they really appreciate that. Absolutely. Is that part of y'all's process also? Whenever we can't get direct access to the underlying database, if we're requesting data dump, yeah, absolutely the objective and, and kind of what we're trying to accomplish, then it's a conversation rather than here's what my, what my needs are, give that to me exactly. It's more of a conversation and say, this is what we're trying to do. Yeah. Well, what about on, we've been talking about analytics and we mentioned RPA a little bit and some automation there. People just like to hear use cases. Do you have a good the, RPA slash automation use case you want to share? So this is something we've delved into a little bit recently. Um, this is, I'm very excited about it. I, I have some ongoing projects to really showcase this. Um, so this is a future kind of wish list kind of thing. We've currently got a few bots in to help a little bit of our departmental administration. Um, 
you know, take data source from different places, throw it all together and, and email it out, do all that manual tests yeah. that no one needs to do. There's all that. Um, but what we are currently working on as part of our continuous monitoring, and we're really excited about this, um, we have different parts. So we have a uh, script to pull a population. We have some Python code to either do trending, uh, isolation forest, whatever it is, identify uh, risking items, transactions, whatever it happens to be. Um, and then at some point, someone has to do something with it. It's not something that can be 100% automated where the test happens and no one has to touch it. And when it comes to that, the, the part that no one really wants to do is go out and get all the support. Like, I, I know I have to test these 25 things. I don't want to spend three days pulling support from five different systems. So that's the, really the use case that we're looking forward to with RPA is that once uh, it takes care of the, the population, the scripting, the sample, build out the work paper with everything already dropped in it, and then pull all the support from different areas, name it correctly, throw it into a folder, email the person, say, your testing's ready. All they have to do is open it up and do their testing and then move on with their day. That's the use case that we are very excited about. Yeah. It's uh it's a beautiful thing when it happens. Yeah. Just walk in. I'd I would, I used to tell that story and um and go, Yeah, you walk in on Monday and everything's there. And I changed it to Tuesday because nobody probably wants to walk in on a Monday and be <laughs> like, Hey, here's basically all your work, you know, for the week. Um, but that is one of the I agree, one of the best use cases for bots specifically is automate the um evidence pull. I go yeah. to the system, download all the receipts, download all the invoices, put it in a nice folder, sample one, two, three, four, whatever. Um, and then you can just do the the actual work yeah. instead of the tediousness of documentation, uh, the brain drain on going out there and trying to find all the evidence yourself. So I love that example. Probably my favorite one. Um, we've got on some tools. There's one in particular a few people have been talking about, ChatGPT. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Have you been using ChatGPT? Well, uh, like I said, I'm I'm curious. So when uh, I heard everything about ChatGPT, I'm like, I got I got to try this out. So uh, before I get into how I use it, I I, I need to get on my soapbox real quick, if you don't mind. Get it. And that is um, ChatGPT and all these different AI tools. They're exciting. They're covered in the media everywhere, and they are extremely accessible. All you have to do is log into a website, and you can use it. That being said, every organization out there, your employees are using it mm. and could possibly be misusing it. So uh, my, I just want to say that I think organizations need to just have some communications out there and not necessarily have a strict guideline policy, do not do this. We need to say, yes, we want to innovate and use this tool. Here's an appropriate way to use it in our context versus an inappropriate use. You just have those guidelines out there uh, some guardrails to it, and and even having that communication, your employees are going to know that this is something that people are actually thinking about, and they'll probably think about how they use it as well. Yeah, great point. All right, warning given. All right, go. Let's talk about the cool okay. stuff. All right, I use it for three things. I use it for idea generation, learning, and improving my writing style. Okay. So first off, idea generation, um, I have this great prompt that I start off with, and it is, Assume you're an internal auditor working on XYZ audit. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you can ask it anything from what are the common risks in this area in this industry? What are the internal controls that can mitigate these risks? You know, really kind of get some ideas and then say, well, if from a data analytics standpoint, 
what analytical tests can I do in this area to really address these risks? What are just really brainstorming? And this is, I'm using this in the example of for planning for an audit. Once those ideas come in, you then go ahead and uh, kind of have that conversation with your data to really kind of, with that conversation with, with that prompt to really uh, focus in on what it interests you and kind of say, all right, well, that kind of sounds interesting. This analytical test is, uh, how would you do it? And then it says, well, you can use a Python script and you could use an isolation force to figure out a GL uh, anomaly score and look at that. So um, again, I think that uh, being able to, to generate ideas and, and bounce things off and brainstorm is a really good uh, application for ChatGPT. Next thing is learning. Um, I do a few few different things in this area. I have a few like Google Scholar alerts mm -hmm. um, for internal audit, data analytics, data, continuous monitoring, blockchain, all these different like buzzwords around internal audit that I want to be on the forefront of knowing. Um, and what it does is it aggregates anytime a white paper or a school thesis or anything like that gets published and it hits those keywords, it'll send me an alert. I don't have time to read 20 papers a week. Yeah. So I get ChatGPT to, to ingest those papers. And um, then I, I, I say, assume you're an audit committee member. What would you want to know in this paper? Assume Good you're prompt. an internal director. What would you want to know from this paper? Assume you're doing data analytics. Assume you're just a staff auditor working on control testing. How does this change your life? There's different tech prompts um, and, and get into the, to the core of what that how that can really apply to what you do um and since you are applying the uh ai directly to that pdf you can have it cited sources so you, when you ask any of these things say tell me where you found that information so if there was something really interesting that you wanted to follow up on you can go straight to that page and look at it nice. so it kind of takes out some of that the hallucinations you hear about yeah and then the second thing with learning is if I found something interesting on the tech side, like a Python script or something like that, I can either Google a, a YouTube video on how that works and just ingest that information, or I can have a two-way conversation using ChatGPT about that. So but, uh, I don't know how this function is working. Can you explain it to me? It can explain it to me. I'm like, oh, that kind of makes sense. I'm still a little confused about what this attribute does. What if I changed it, moved it up or down? How would that affect the whole thing and it can explain what that does and it's more like having a personal tutor yeah rather than just getting all the information uh, fed to you and then the other thing is uh kind of writing um so specifically in, in audit um how to better document my work papers from a data analytics perspective but how it can be read by a non-data person so that it, it kind of bridges that gap because sometimes we get a little too much into the weeds you want right. to our work papers. Um, so uh, I being very general in what you put in there so that you don't release any private information, you can really kind of come up with a, a really good documentation uh, using ChatGPT. I like the prompt of from the audit committee's perspective or yeah. whoever, because that, that is difficult to, and we talk about it all the time with report writing, put yourself in this person's shoes. Okay. Now put it in this person's shoes and look at it from their perspective. And it's like, that's, that's not something you just like flip a switch on. It's yep. kind of difficult. Just flip that switch, but doing it that way makes it significantly easier. So that's a really good takeaway. I think uh, for folks that aren't using it that way, that's a really, really creative way to do it. 
And if, if you're struggling with um, what the response is from ChatGPT, especially with four, the, the new one, um, you could ask it to justify its response and it will tell you exactly why it said what it said. It's crazy. I don't know how it works. It's magic. It, yeah. Great. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Uh, we hit on a lot of stuff. Uh, I think there's a lot of solid takeaways, a lot uh, for the curious person that's out there. I got to imagine their day is going to be spent if they're listening to this because it's like, oh, okay, I got to go look into all this, um, all this stuff that, that was discussed. But what do you want to leave the audience with? Well, I mean, you hit it on the head there. Uh, stay curious. Um, ask better questions. When you ask better questions, you get better answers. When you get better answers, you have better knowledge. When you have better knowledge, you have better audit findings. When you have better audit findings, you have better audit reports and better buy-in from management. So stay curious. Uh, press all the buttons wherever you're at. Um, and I also want to leave you off with get involved with your local IIA chapter. Um, it, it's really fun. Grow your professional network. Make friends. Find out all the cool things your peers are doing. Uh, volunteer with the, uh, you can either help out with events, uh, become an officer, get some leadership experience that you wouldn't get in your job otherwise, maybe. Uh, and finally, give back. If there is a mentorship program, sign up for it. And if there's a student outreach, go ahead and do that too. Give back to the profession that's given us so much. Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show, so we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.